You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. First wide line. The Amar Rabbi Barachanam Rabbi Yechanan. My posachle Rab Gamliel Lahu Gavra. And it's incredible that there was a there was a record of that. There was a man who followed Rab Gamliel to get rid of the Kamquat netter, whatever the netter was. And what was Rav Gamliel said to him? So, so what was the Pesach? What was the Pesach that he had to, and according to Rashi, what was, what was the line of inquiry that the hook was connected to? So, so, so we have a tradition of what it is. And if you see that number two, that number two there means the Pesach. So I'm going to put you guys down here. Let's take a look at the Pesach. You can see number two tells you to go to a Pusik. Let's take a look. So, it's a Pusik in Mishle. I'm going to make it a little bit larger for everybody so we can see it even better. Uh, computer's going a little bit slow today, even though it's connected to the router. That's because I didn't shut it off for a week. So it's going a little bit slow. And it's a Pesach and Mishle, and I apologize for Yesh Bote Kimad Karot Chorev. Now Bote is about talking. There's something about talking, about saying words. We have Bitu Isfasayim as a term. That means your lips started to move and, and, and say words. So, yesh bote kimad karot. Sometimes, chorev. Sometimes you talk and you think it's like an empty little word, but it's like the, it's like a, a sword has been stabbed. That's what deke, right? Like a sword has been stabbed into you. Uwashon chachomim mirape. But, the words of the Chacham heal. Okay, so the Bote is somebody who's not a Chacham, somebody whose words are very harmful and destructive. They're almost like um, knives that are stabbed into you. Okay. Um, so what was Rav Gamliel's drosha? Let's see. Kol habote roi ledokro becherev. What? <laughs> Anybody who who articulates, who says these, who says words, we should stab him. Roi ledokro becherev. Ella shaloshen chachamim merape. Now, when you look at this Gemara, it's only two lines. One thing is unusual to me is that there was actually, they, the, Eloi was listening so closely that he gave into the tradition that eventually got to Rabbi Yochanan what it was that Rokam Leo had said. Okay, that's not so surprising. But this, what was the rationale to make the drash in this Pasuk? People in that period knew Tanakh, Okay. When you were 10 years old, you already had quite a background. Uh, by the time you were 10, you already had quite a background in Torah, Nevi, and Miksuvim. 
That's what you read. When you became literate, you read Tanakh. So it wasn't strange for that man to hear that Pusik, right? For us, we don't read Mishlei or Eov or Divrayomim. We, we, don't, we don't read Tanakh. But they did. They read Nevi'im and Ksuvim, and this is part of Ksuvim. What was it that Gamliel was trying, what was difficult in the Pasek, right? What was difficult about the Pasek? Um, and that he needs to reinterpret the Pasek. Anyone who makes an eder, Roy Ledokro, he should be stabbed for doing that. What is that? Why, Rashi says, Dilma Lok Makayimle. Because when you make a neder, I mean, there's enough Yisurim already. Right? Chazal say a similar thing you might remember by a Nozir. Why did a Nozir have to take on new Yisurim? Anybody who takes on new isurim, a nazir is also a type of nether. Anyone who takes on new isurim is really in a problematic space. Because why did you take on another chiv to do something? And now you're going to be over that. That's another love. You don't dive in a day. Okay. Maybe you're, maybe you're over an assay. Maybe. According to the Rambam. You don't, you take on a nether. You're going to do something. You don't do it. You've got a love on you now. Even though you didn't do anything, you're high of this law of for not fulfilling it. So why did idiot, as we would say in Yiddish? Why are you doing this? Why are you why are you turning your life into something more complex? That's what Roiladikro means. In other words, um, it's almost like he that's pretty strong language. We should put we should put knives into it. Still what is the uh, what is shiver with the pasha pshat? Um, that sometimes, in other words, the simple pshat is people say stupid things. People can say hurtful things. A chacham says good things. Yesh bota kemat keros charev loshen chachamim merape. As we can see from, from Mishle, there's all these contrasts. Right after the Pasuk Yesh Bota Kemat Karos Chorev, we have a, all these Sfas Emes Tikon La'ad, Va'ad Argiel Shon Shoker. But a lying tongue is just for a moment. Mir Mabalev Chor Sheira, Leyotze Sholem Simcha. So, Every one of these is a contrast of a tzaddik and a rosh, of a bad guy and a good guy. So, what, what was wrong with a simple pshat? Right? How do we know that, that someone, right? So, um, right? So, I have a pshat, I have an answer. I don't know if you guys, uh, feel the question is even worthwhile, but I'll tell you what I think the answer might be, why it's different than the other ones. Let's take a look at the ones before. Let's talk about this one. Derech Evil, evil guy, Yosher Be'enov. So it's clear the bad guy and the good guy. Here's the bad guy. Evil, the Yom Yivoda. 
The Orum is the Kosekolam. Good guy, Yafia Hamuna. Age Garim, bad guy. Right? Um, Loshon Shoker, the liar. Sfasemes, the good guy. Okay? Um, the uh, Rashi in, in, in the Pasuk shows us that it comes in the, in the Vayikra where it talks about Levata Besfasayim. Aha. So that could be one of the hints. Take a look when I do this. O nefesh ki sishova levata bisvasayim. Aha. So here's where you see bote has a connection to making a shvua. Right? Laharao lahetiv. So that might be where the use of the word bote, miter, as Rashi tells us, is connected to a shvua. It's not, and therefore, it isn't the pattern of one guy says insults and another guy is a nice, and the chacham is the nice guy. The use of the word bote is could have been Rav Gamliel's source, because the word bote, I don't know how many times it appears in Tanakh, but the prime place it appears is here about making a shvua. And therefore, since there that's the prime place, so therefore we could say Yesh Bote, someone makes a shvua. It isn't just a guy who's saying bad stuff. All right? That's that is one way Rugam, might be Rugam Leo's uh aspect of making the Drosh. That might have been his hint. I want to say something a little bit different which is that it doesn't say he's bad. It just says yesh bota. It doesn't say the evil guy stabs you with his words. It doesn't say the liar, the lazy guy, right? And all the other contrasts, tzaddik, rosha, sifse sheker, ose amuna, kasio, orum, but yesh, yesh is like parav. It could be anybody. That's how Gamil says this one is different than the rest of the pattern. This one is about anyone, anyone who thinks he's doing the right thing. Yesh bota. So therefore, even though in terms of the, the of, of the whole uh imagery of this parak, this one is the one that's not like the other, like the old Sesame Street song. Remember that? One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Can you guess which thing is not like the other? Before I finish this song, right? This one is the one that is not like the other because it doesn't have a clear bad guy. And therefore it might be another, there's another interpretation here, which is you're going to make a nether. That's like jabbing yourself with a sword. (laughs) And you know how you get out of it? You get out of it by the chacham. He's the one who can heal you from your self-inflicted wound. So now we, I think, with the Rashi and with my, um, you know, literary interpretation, I think we can now go back to the Gemara and say we know what Rav Gamliel was talking about. Now, Hanukkah is right. He obviously has his own uh, axe to grind, his own cherev to stick in, that he's against people making Nadarim. And he makes, and he shows that here. 
right. Now, why is that a Pesach, though? Remember we said, according to Rashi, remember I gave you the whole story about how you're supposed to find it? Why is that such a Pesach? Why is that drusha such a Pesach? Well, Rashi, because, because he's connecting the person who makes a nether to the beginning of the parak of Mishle, which says, Habote is like someone sticking knives into you. Right. Um, right. But the question is, Henoch, the guy, who, Charlie, who we called him last week, Charlie of the Comquat Nether, he is not happy about, um, he is not happy about his situation. He's come to the Godolador, the head of the Sanhedrin, Rav Gamliel. And Rav Gamliel starts him off sitting down after his mind is clear from the wine and starts with this drosha. Right? And remember, if you remember last week, I gave this whole, I thought it was humorous, I don't know if it was, a whole way that the Chacham figures it out. The Chacham thinks at you, he hears your story, he sizes you up, he gets into your brain, and somehow he's able to find the Charata. That's what we talked about last time. What was the, where's the Charata here? How did he, how was this Pusik, this Drusha, the linchpin that got Charlie to say, oh, I wish I never made that net, or oh, you're right, had I known this, I never would have done it. So Rashi needs to answer that question. Now it could be, based on what I mentioned earlier last week and, 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 and this morning before we started recording, it could be that the, um, if you learn like Tosfus, maybe you don't need to find some charata, right? Rashi said Pesach means you've got to get the guy to regret that he ever meant it. And you have to somehow go deep into his story to get him to regret. How did this drusha generate regret? That's the question. So let's take a look. Vahainu Pesach. What's the Pesach? In other words, now that I showed you now that I showed you my incredible interpretation, that means anybody who makes a neder not just to be jabbed with a sword as they translate, you should be actually, um, you should, the sword should go straight into you. It's like it should kill you. You're high of Misa for making a nether. So let's read it again. And you're high of Misa. You're high of Misa for, for, for making the nether. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Okay, there you are. Okay. <laughs> okay. Kulom right? um, Would you have made the netter now that I showed you how much chazal are against people making the dorim? That you'd be one of those people that, that is chay of misu. Would you ever have made that netter? And the guy says, wow, making the dorim isn't just uncomfortable. Chazal think you're chayv misa for it. Oh, I didn't know that, Chazal. If I would have known it, I never would have made the nether. Vamrelei hai, chalo. 
So that's that was the charata. The charata was, had you known how how much Chazal frown on this? It's a very interesting Pesach, right? It's not like like remember the one I gave last week about about how it uh, how it upsets your skin. Remember all that? Had you known the literature about about what it does for acne? Remember, I was making some stuff up last week about that. So there, it's something you didn't know. You're well. You didn't know how much Chazal are against Nadarim. If you knew it, then you wouldn't have made the netter. So no, no, no. I, I definitely wouldn't have done something Yechai of Misa for. What you're seeing here on the screen is the Me'iri. Well, the Me'iris, everybody has a Me'iri. No. The Me'iri wrote two books. One of the books the Me'iri wrote that everybody knows is called Beis Abachira. The Beis Abachira has a very distinct style. What it is is a summary of the uh, of the of the Mishnah, and then he'll tell you what the Gemara. He'll give you a, a, a background of what the Gemara is going to say on the Mishnah, and then he'll give you a, 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 a his own paragraph rephrasing of the Gemara. He doesn't go line by line. It's not like the Chedushe Aritva or the Ramban or the Rashba, where he takes the section or he's medayik or an Akron like the Pnei Yeshu or others. It's very much restating things. The other thing about the Beis Abkhira is no names. Everybody gets a title. Uh, um, Sheila, are you familiar with this? Avrami, do you know what I'm talking about? The, if you read the Me'iri, he's saying, G'doi HaMachabrim, that's the Rambam. G'doi Harabonim, that's Rashi. Then he has Gedolei Hamafarshim is the Rivad, because in Provence the Rivad was the parish everybody used. No one has names. Is there an index to the names that he uses ever? Yeah, yes, you could you could find many of the better editions of the Meiri in their introductions. Will tell you who who means who, right? And and, and he has and Meshivim. He has right Sasman Agaonim. But he doesn't tell you who's who. Um, Hello, Omer, Dover, B'Shem, Omer, maybe Gula, Gula, I don't have an answer to that question. That's a good question, Avrami. It was a certain style, and I think he did it because he didn't want to um, impede where what he was trying to get at, which was uh, a summary book. And if you just, he didn't want to overload it, and if you knew who's who, you could probably find it. In other words, you know, Gedolia Machabrim is the Rambam. There's no greater Machaber in the Meiri's eyes than the Rambam. Okay. So here's the point. He wrote another book that was the more meat and potatoes standard style, Chidushe HaMeiri. And there, that book is much more in the classic Rishonim style the way the Ritva and all the other Rishonim write. Okay? Uh, he says Pshad in the words. He, he mentions Rashi by name. He mentions other Rishonim by name. So that, to me, is sort of like I feel much more comfortable with that Me'iri. I mean, the other one I could read too, but it's almost like it's almost like an American having to read Shakespeare. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to... Oh, okay. So, what is he saying here? Arose by any other name? Okay. What what does that mean again? You know, can you say that in English? Can you say it in learning language? Like the Meiri is, is, and again, the Meiri is is very important 
for the outsider. But the insiders never really liked the Me'iri so much. And that's why it wasn't printed so often. Chaim Salvechik, um, uh, I heard a beautiful lecture from him years ago where he said, Professor Chaim Salvechik said that the Me'iri was not printed often. Even though they discovered it 500 years ago, it was only in the 19th and 20th century when learning sort of went down that we needed the Me'iri's help. But when the Meiri was first discovered, even though it went through a couple, it went through an original printing, people weren't so caught up with it because they knew how to learn. In other words, they were able to learn without the Meiri explaining all the background to them. So the base of only became a big hit in the 19th and then 20th and 21st centuries. Right? That became like the place to go to. Even I do that, right? Sometimes I'll say, let's look in the Meiri here because he's going to give us the background. And, it, and I'm not trying to discount it, but this book is a more standard work, the Chidusha Yameiri. And it was put out by one of the great Rosh Hashivas in Eretz Yisrael. I'm not sure, you know, Meister of Cook found the Ksaviyad or they had the Ksaviyad and they asked one of the great Machadshim, one of the great Chevron Rosh Hashivas, uh, Rav, Rav Simcha Zissel Broide, to, um, to put it out. So I'm going to sort of guess here that there's going to be something on this topic. So here we are. This is the Me'iri on this these pages. I made a... When I knew that I was going to be uh, learning this with you, I said, let me get... Let me check out my two favorite Svarim on Erevin. The Gon Yaakov and the Me'iri. So here we go. So first of all, you can see... The Me'iri actually gives you the the Machlokas Rashi and Tosfos that we were talking about before. Um, he says Rashi says the opposite. But Rashi pierce lehepech poschen b'charata shemavakish lumtso pesach. Rashi says that that Rav Gomil held you needed a heter, right? That you needed to find the Chiddush. Why did Rashi learn the way he did? The Gemara Nadarim says the exact opposite. Why did Rashi say what he says? Because we see right later the Gemara we just did. My Pesach What was the Pesach? So you see, you see, Rav Gamliel was the one who held you needed a Pesach. In other words, the Gemara doesn't say whether it was Nachman or Gamliel who said, Poschen, you need a Pesach. Rashi was the one who said that. Because Rashi saw our Gemara that said, what was the Pesach? That was the Pesach. He leaves out the, the other part in, 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 in the Rashi, meaning uh, that you chayiv misa. Alma de poschen becharota, mashma shemavakish lumtso pesach shemishvilim yomer anodi shiwil yodek and will you know there? For Rab Gamliel sheyorat pasal becharota, klomer limtse pesach v'nitzarchu yishavadas. 
Miu Ikar Apeirishu Sheposchen Becharota means Ein Mavakesh Leishum Pesach. You just say, are you mischaret? So the difference is, Rav Gamliel held that the Pesach, that the Pesach is saying that uh, if, if you make a netter, it's like sticking you with swords. Whereas the other opinion is, you have to have, you have to search the guy to make sure he has charata. Is that right? I would have said that, Hanach, but Rashi says that sometimes just hearing how bad a netter is could cause the person who is wanting to get out of the nether to feel so bad about things that he, yeah. he right now, but, but if you look in the Meiri, the Meiri says, um, he says, Miu Ikar Apeirish, who he disagrees with Rashi. But what does Posech Becharota mean? She'ein Mavakish Lo Shum Pesach. You don't need to go deep into his psyche and talk about talk about uh, his his hang up with his skin, and he would have known what kamquats do. You don't need to do any of that. Right, right. You embarrass him into it. You don't embarrass him. You just say, or, "Do you regret it?" And that's it. I, Rav Gamliel, all we right right? Why did Rav Gamliel? You know, do what he did. He says, maybe Gamil did more than he had to do. Um, so anyway, um, but it wasn't a real Pesach. Here, here's my question. Follow everybody. If you can follow, I'm going to try to make sure that we don't lose this. But here's my point exactly against Rashi. Oh, take a look here where my cursor is. How could Rashi learn that this was a real Pesach, the way Rashi explains it? Did you have to open them up and come up with a real Charota? That's, that's just saying it's Oser. That's not the way a Pesach works. A Pesach works not with just saying something is Oser. You have to figure out something in the guy's psychology. Therefore, this proof that it's usher to make Nadarim, the Meiri says, does not count in the Hilchas Nadarim as a Pesach. Elahai de Kamer, my Pesach of Gamil, Labad Pesach Heter Ka'avad. What we heard is not the Heter that he used. When the Gemara asked, what was, what, 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 Yochanan told us, what was it that Gamliel said? It's not that we were trying to find the halachic Pesach, the way Rashi words. After he said, hey, do you regret doing this? He told him, okay, Charlie, his hero, he told him in the future, the word Pesach here isn't the halachic Pesach of finding the, the hook. This happened to be what Gamil told Charlie, hey, don't get in trouble anymore. Yesh Bote. Kein nirali liyashev poschem ve'ein poschem becharota. 
al derech pir shamiti. This is the real pshat. Rabbi, the question I have is, since Charlie already made the uh, uh, the netter and he had charata, is there any way that he could do tshuva for having done that? Um, good question. Okay, you definitely have to do tshuva for 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 you know making. It's a good. Henoch has a Henoch has a great question. Henoch's question is. If you make a nether, which is Osir Midarabonan to make Nadarin. And, and and then you get a chokham to overturn the nether. Do you have to do tshuva for what you did? That's a great question. A minchaschinak type of question. In other words, till you got the chokham to 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 be ma'akir the nether, you were you not only had a nether that you couldn't eat kamquats, but you also did something usr in the Rabbanan's eyes that you're chai of misa for. Now that the Chocham was able to uproot the nether, is it like you have no Avera anymore? So the truth is, Rav Salvechik was once playing around with this idea. And this is why he said that we'd start Yom Kippur with Kol Nidre. Because when you have a, a, a Pesach and a Charota like this, what you're able to do is overturn the neder like Yom Kippur overturns the Avera. Why do we start Yom Kippur with, with Kol Nidre? So Rav Salvechik wanted to say, because if you understand what a Pesach and what a Charota is, and you know that when you get the Pesach correctly, the Charota that you have is able to make it as if you never made the neder, like the neder has been canceled from Meikara, that action that we're doing is a model for what happens on Yom Kippur with this tshuva process. But, but, but Hanuk's point is, do you have to do tshuva now? This is a form of tshuva. In other words, going to the Chocham and getting the Ikur is in a way a type of tshuva for the Avera. However, the Me'iri, as we see, does not agree with Rashi at all. Um, He believes that this was not the Pesach. That's not what happened over here. Charlie just heard, Gamliel warned him, don't do this anymore. So now the Miri has a problem. Miri's problem is so what, the, what, again all char, all Rav Gamil was trying to say was this this is not the Pesach Be'iser. right? So for example, one of the things that the Miri says you shouldn't say when someone comes to you is Shalonomarlo Ko Hano Derkiu Bonaboma because you don't want him to say that right in other words this is just a good thing to know but it's not a Pesach because a Pesach has to be with a psychological approach, not with telling him what you did was Osir. 
Lo no marlo. Look what it says. Ain poschen beister says the Meiri shelo noy marlo kol anoider ki wubona bama. Don't tell him that. That's like you you built a bama when when you shouldn't have. Don't, that's not what you're supposed to say. It's as if you, you, you have a cherev in you. Or it's as if you, you it's roy for your cherev to be put into you. So, this again, so the Meiri has helped us a little bit by not explaining Rashi, but by arguing with Rashi. But it gives us some area of where he feels Rashi was coming from. Rabbi, there's also something which I uh, don't understand is that once a fella is coming to a guttle because of a nether, doesn't that mean at the very outset that he has charata, the fact that he's going there in the first place? Okay, so that's what I wanted to explain, that the charata, the way Rashi explained it was, of course he doesn't like it now, but tough noogies, you took the nether on you. There has to be that there's something that, had you known it, you never, it was like a netter betos, that there's information you were missing. Like when they talk about a mekachtos, right? right? You know about the cases of Kedushe that they try to do with, you know, the, the some famous cases in marriages, where had you known that this guy was was violent, had you known that he had this illness that was already there, Right, you know what I'm talking about. Cases that have that have that have been very famous, um, with people trying to say the kedushin should be bottle, um, because of mekachtos. So that's sort of what this is, like a mekachtos on the nether. Had you known this, would you ever have done it? No. Okay, so it's as if you never did it. It's Henoch. Obviously, he doesn't like the nether. But that could be, well, you know, I didn't realize what. Right? You uh-huh. In other words, you, 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 I want kamquats again. Too bad. I love them. Too bad. There's got to be something, had you known, you never would have made the nether. Okay? Yeah. So the Meiri's approach is more strict as opposed to Rashi, where you have to try to understand the guy. No, no, the Meiri is, the Meiri is not... The Miri is learning that that Rav Gamliel did not do the big understanding job. <laughs> right, right. That's what I'm saying. Right, I'm, right. I'm right. saying the that Rav Gamliel was the more strict. As a I, po- I, I don't know if he was strict, Hannah, because he basically let the guy off. He let the guy off. Right, he, right. he said he it's said just that. a different approach. Yeah. All right. So now let's move on to another aspect. Okay, so we're sort of moving out of Hataris Nadarim, and let's move into the next part. Amar Mar, Ve'ein Mavir and Allah Ochlin. That was one of the things we learned from Rav Gamliel, that you don't let food just sit there. Amar Rabbi Ochlin, Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Lo Shonu Elabidoris Harishonim, She'ein Benos Yisrael Prutsos Bikshofim. Alright, we're going to stop with this. <laughs> I don't want to say it's connected to the Halloween season, but, uh, you know, it's somehow you have this thing here about witchcraft, right? Let's see what it says. This whole thing was taught 
that you let you pick up food in the early generations. She'ain benos Yisrael prutzos bikshofen. Now, I believe, um, I don't remember who it was, but I remember someone saying that it wasn't just Jewish women that got involved in kshofim. In general, kshofim started becoming a stronger, uh, had a stronger influence. Let me explain it better. More people were involved in messing around with magic and witchcraft. Right. Right? Now, mm-hmm. but, and, and now, since that's going on, Mavirin, you just keep on going. Now, Sheila, how did you understand this? Why do you think since there's witchcraft, you keep on going? Why do you keep on going? Uh, well, you keep on going to not be prey to it. You just, uh, you don't... Um, why don't you pick up the food? What are you afraid of? Because it might have a, a spell on it or something, you know. A spell. Okay, good. Yeah. So in other words, part of Kshofim is to sort of like, you know, if you touch this or eat this item that I've put a spell on, it's going to hurt you, right? It's like right? voodoo. Mm-hmm. This, this item has the power to damage you. Right. You holding this item will bring the evil powers on you. So let's talk about this for a minute. Uh, do, is this a proof that Kshofim are real or not? This Gemara? No, um, it could be, or it's a proof that um, there's some kind of mazik, whether it's Kshofim or something else, you know? Oh, hang on, Sheila. There, there was a value about not letting food get trampled and spoiled, right? Yeah, but this is... This is this is now a mazik. This is some kind of danger to you. Right. Now, whether that proves it or not, that it's real is, I think, separate than it, it poses some kind of danger. <laughs> a danger to the point that you're going to let the food get trampled on by the next horse because. Right. Right. Rather than. You Rather know, than you. It's akin to like if something, you know, is infected or some sort, uh, you know, like you don't touch it. You don't, you don't go there. Well, you don't know how it necessarily it works. Yeah. Okay. But- now you're saying something different. We don't know how Kshofim work, but there is something there. Right. Right. right obviously. There's something, that's why it's Usser. Other, if it was nothing, why would it be Usser? <laughs> okay. The Rambam has a different approach, as you know. The Rambam says because because it makes you not believe in God and because you don't believe that God is responsible. So, so doing Shofim furthers this idea of these other powers and these other stars and planets that have control, right? So it sounds, this is one of the many, many places in Shas that magic is considered a real thing. It could really hurt you. Let's talk about another thing for a second. Um, why would women be more involved in it than men? A couple ideas I thought. One is that they they have uh, they have sociologically disadvantages, so it's a, a way of, of leveling the playing field. Another thing is that's like John, it's like John Updike's book, The Witches of Eastwick, right? <laughs> yeah, and then and then another idea is that they might be spiritually oh, uh, inclined. And so what's the second they, one? What's the second reason? They might be more spiritually inclined, and therefore into that more. Okay, so Sheila, you're, they're great. In other words, one reason is is that um, it's that they 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 feel 
they feel we've got to get power because men are controlling us. So but my thing is also they're more alluring and uh, they're more alluring and uh, uh, sexual. Only, only they're all, that's only to a man. <laughs> but, but, but I'm saying, why would witchcraft? Why again? You, you know, maybe you're thinking about Elizabeth Montgomery and, and 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 bewitched. But I'm saying, why? Why would women be more drawn to it? She was telling well, you. Here, Kiavos, it says the more the more wives, the more witchcraft, because they want to get their husbands, you know, be their favorite. So when you have a rival, you know, you're 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 gonna try to. It's like a really vicious doggy dog world out there, you know. <laughs> Marvin, so that's great, Sheila. We 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 hit the jackpot with you today on this topic. In other words, the, the mission in Pirkeiovos. That's a great. It's a great Raya as well. Um, that uh, so so women will be, so that's three rationales: a um, power, b specific power in terms of in the household. If there's more than one wife. And three, what was the third idea that you said? Was that the reason is is because they, they tend to be more spiritual, so they fear they might tend towards that kind of. Spirit. In other words, the men say, "I don't believe in anything." Okay, do you believe in God? Okay, I believe in God. Very practical. You, where in other words, they believe in they, they can feel, they can sense the spirits. They can sense right. right. They, they have more they, of that sense. They can sense that there's some other sort of power. So because of that, they're more drawn to it. Um. So here's Kivalevich's question. I love your answers. Why do you think there was an increase in witchcraft? Is it could be an increase in witchcraft had to do from the time of Gamliel to the time of Rabbi Yochanan, right? Because um, Rabbi Gamliel lived after the Chorban. Yeah, there was a lessening of general spirituality. So, you know, it's like in the Tuma, you know, one, th- it, one thing is going to be an ascendancy, either the Tor Tuma, you know. Okay, so, so let, 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 let me make the point a little bit better. It was one generation. I'm going to prove it. If Rabbi Yehuda Bar Eloi was the man who was accompanying Rav Gamliel, right? So, who is the name of the one who says Loi Shonu? Rav Shimon ben Yochai. Shimon ben Yochai was a contemporary of Yehuda, Eloi's son. Right, so that is already the cutoff point between the Torahs I showed him and the Torahs I wrote him. Right, in the Zohar, where he put it into. Right, but, but isn't that incredible? That one generation yeah. might already be the difference. In other words, Gamliel was the end of the last generation. Now that of Gamliel and Yoshua, Rebbe Lazar, Ben Hurkanis are gone, Rebbe Kiva is gone. One generation later, it's already a new door. That's already the Doris Achronim. And I'm going to suggest something a little bit different than you're saying, Sheila, that people turn to Kshafim because... They feel helpless or they feel like they need right. some kind of help. Exactly. Right. Power okay. right. right. But because they feel, where's God? In other words... You know, it's like right. I, many I'm not reasons getting, a person does that, right? You could, you again, one could also connect this to Shul after Shmuel died, right? Going to uh, the Balas Oiv, right, to bring but, Shmuel back, and it makes sense that it would be in that generation because they just 
they had just experienced a high in spirituality and now suddenly like the bottom fell out. Now what? And now they don't have, they're used to having more of an, spiritual input to right. things. And I, th- and, and I think we have the word prutsos here that I'm emphasizing. Prutsos, Bikshofen. It's like it's all over the place. We always had machshefos, right? We always find, yeah. But now it's like prutsos, Bikshofen. So if it's prutsos, Bikshofen, now we get to my point. Remember we said this bread probably comes from a guy anyway in the time of Gamliel, right? That's why he didn't want to eat it himself, right? So... Gamliel would not have said it one generation later because stuff that was on, and, and especially, let's add one more little knetch here. The way they used to do the kshafim was to like play stuff, right? <laughs> like the gingerbread, like the, the gingerbread house, right? You'd place it out there. Ooh, look at that guska, right? That was the way to get the person that you wanted to put the whammy on to take it, right? If it looked like if it looked like roadkill, nobody was going to take it. It's because of, because it looks so attractive. That's part of the reason why uh, you have uh, this this idea of kshofim uh, that the, the people were so worried about it. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 